0: An Eastertide is a great time for us to realize the impact of the resurrection. It's a time for us to see, okay, what all does the crucifixion and resurrection mean in our life? And it's a good time to radically reorient our life around God, to re-up our commitment. Like, okay, God, I want to be yours. I want to be living surrendered to you. Now is a time for us uh, to, to kind of go through that and, and do that very thing. And, and there's a quote of what it looks like to commit ourselves that we see in, in Howard Thurman here. He says, The secret to being able to commit our lives to God is to be able to want one thing, to seek one thing, to organize the resources of one's life around a single end and slowly, surely the life becomes one with that end. And so we have this motivation to to be centered around one thing, to be committed to one thing. But if you're like me, and I know some of you, I know some of you are, we want to like microwave that and just make it happen real quick, right? We want to be teleported to the situation and circumstances and to even the person that we believe that we're going to become, like, great, God, make me become that right now. Like, I blink my eyes and I want to be that. And God doesn't seem to work that way. So there's this, this verse that you all know that was on the walls of, of my aunt's homes growing up. I feel like every house had this stitched on the walls. It's Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, And most of you probably even know this. It's, for surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for your harm, to give you a future with hope. And that kind of verse was read as like, yes, as I leave today, I'm going to go inherit that future right now. And, and then we don't get the good parking spot and we're upset and we think that the verse is broken and it, it, it all falls apart. We want this to be instant. We want this ease of our commitment to be instant, like that really bad cup of ramen that I always ate in in college. We, We want it to be that quick, where the meal is just done and our change is just done and our commitment to God is just done and the good plans that God has for us, we just know them right now. But I don't know that we always know the context of Jeremiah 29. I don't know if you all have looked at it. Actually, if you've got your Bible or your device, even as I'm talking, just read through that chapter. Just You don't have to read every word. Just kind of briefly look at it. What's happening here is Jeremiah 29 is written to a people who are in exile. They're away from their land. And they're in exile because they drifted. They drifted away from God in their worship. Their worship became really pretty grotesque. They, they started taking advantage of one another. They stopped acting like God's people and, and just left totally and drifted into this other place. And in this other place where they're exiled and they're aching and they want different circumstances, God says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans for you to prosper. And they all hear that like, Yes! Sounds fantastic. But look at verse 10. The verse before says, For thus says the Lord, only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you. My plan is for you to prosper in 70 years. Sit on that one for a second. Cross-stitch that one on your wall. Think through that one each day. They're in exile, wanting a different situation, desiring for God to move. They don't want to be where they are. And in verse 10, I mean, I'm sorry, in verse 5, God says, in this land of exile, build houses, plant some gardens. If you need vegetables today, you don't plant a garden, right? You you run to the farmer's market. But if you're going to be there for a minute... You plant a garden. And God says, okay, plant, plant a garden. I know the plans I have for you, so plant the garden. It's okay. In verse 7, he says, seek the welfare of the city. This city that, that has now brought you into exile, that has harmed you, that is not your favorite. These circumstances that you don't love, seek the welfare of the people around you. Be invested in them. Look out for them. Because I know the plans that I have for you. The plans to prosper you. But this doesn't happen in two seconds like we want it to. In verse 13, it says, When you search for me, you will find me, if you seek me with all of your heart. I will let you find me, says the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. He's prophesying to these scattered people. I'll bring you back. I'm going to do this. This is going to happen. You can can trust that I am the Lord who who desires for you to prosper. And yet, in this place, as you wait, build houses, plant gardens, seek the welfare of the city. This is written to a scattered people. Now let's look at us for a minute. I think many of us feel pretty scattered, right? I think one of the things that's been hard about COVID, one of the 792 things that's challenging is that we've kind of realized how scattered we are. And sometimes you feel scattered or spread thin because you're scattered and because you're spread thin. That's why you feel like that. That seems like a stupid thing to say, but I don't think we always realize that, like, if we're exhausted, it's probably because we're exhausted. If we're spread thin, it's because we're spread too thin. We're involved in too much. We're energize our energy is split all of these kind of things and if you're like me you get into this season that's different and you're asking the question how did I get here how did we get so scattered and how do we become whole and that's where Thurman gives us these three questions that we'll look at over these next three weeks as guides and the first question that he asks is is he asks each one of us to ask the question, who am I? See, in order for us to be truly committed to God, we need to know who it is that we are. And Thurman says that we see who we are actually in our decisions. It's not so much that we choose whether something is right or wrong, but we choose in this way. He says, if I do this thing, what bearing will it have on the binding relationships that give me my sense of worth of counting in and for something? So he's saying that we're not deciding, yes, I should go here because it's the right decision. We're deciding I should go here because those relationships that answer the idea of who I am say that I should go here. And if I go here, well, those relationships might be severed. It might cost something. And if I don't have that relationship, if I don't have those, typically it begins with our family of origin and then our friend group, maybe the family that we have established. If If I don't do what they expect of me, then I may sever or damage those relationships. And then I might not know who I am. And so we end up being spread thin because we're going around trying to establish who we are in all of these relationships, and it just doesn't work that way. We can't be committed to God when we are tethered to 5,000 different identities. But that comes from this deep desire to want to be known. And if we're honest, we will settle for being recognized. We'll settle for being caricatured. So we just moved into this new neighborhood a, a couple months ago and uh, I like to go for walks. And so I'll go walk Iroquois Park and I kind of walk the same route all the time because I'm a creature of habit. And when I go, I put on my basketball sneakers and this current pair that I have, they are bright red. And they are uh, Donovan Mitchell, Spider-Man shoes that we found at an outlet mall that I, that I bought, but they are bright red. And I never wear red except for my shoes. And so I'm going on these walks all the time in these bright red shoes and I'm walking through Iroquois Park once and a neighbor that I have never met stops me and says, hey, I live across the street from you. I was like, "You do, how do you know that you live across the street from you? And she knows because of my shoes. I'm the only one in Louisville apparently who will wear these shoes. And, and she's like, oh, well, I recognize you by your shoes. And I know that I live across the street from you because I see you go for walks all the time in your bright red shoes. And I go, that's kind of cool. And I meet her and I can't remember her name and all of this. But we met each other. I'm recognized. That feels awesome. Felt a little intimidating at first. But then like, oh, okay, that's great. So the next day I go for my walk and I put my red shoes on. But I put them on different. I was a little bit like, oh, these make me recognize. She knows who I am. She knows where I live because of this. And it was really silly. It's it The shoes don't matter. But all of a sudden I realized, like, I'm noticed because of these ridiculously bright neon red shoes. It's, otherwise, I just blend in with the world. But she picked me out of Iroquois Park because of my shoes. There's no real consequence to the shoes, but we, we do this all the time. We make decisions and we... We do things because maybe someone will recognize us or remember us, or we're afraid that they won't or they'll judge the decision we're making as, as negative. So some of us were in a training this week for, uh, for this spiritual listening, the spiritual direction, and in this training, the idea of taking a day for ourselves to go listen to God came up several times. And you just feel in the room like, yeah, that's what I need, But I don't know if the relationships I have around me allow for this. And so I can't do it. I don't know if I can really go do this and not damage the relationship. So I can't do what I actually need. We don't want to inconvenience someone. We don't want to be understood as selfish. We don't want someone to question our motives or our abilities or any of this. So we don't do what it takes to be committed to God. Sometimes we feel an urge to go back to school or start a new job or, or do something that's new. But one of the things that really matters in the decision is I don't know if I can do that because people might think this or might think that. It's not so easy as, well, God's inviting me into this. But it's meant to be. You see, we have to give ourselves to something that is big enough to handle us. And that's been part of the challenge, I think, for all of us. We look for friends or family who can, who can name us, who can give us our whole identity, and it doesn't work. So then we just end up spread thin because maybe this person can handle 4% of me, and this person 8, and this person 3. And then we end up disjointed and scattered. But the Holy Spirit wants to do this work within us. And the Holy Spirit will start to slowly invade our lives. And it feels like an invasion because we're scattered. And the Holy Spirit wants to slowly invade us and sever these strings of identity that we have tied to circumstances and relationships and other things so that our identity is only in God. You see, he's not necessarily severing relationships, not necessarily saying we need to quit our jobs and all of this, but He, the Holy Spirit is severing these attachments that we have where we can be wholly committed to God, even in exile, even in these situations that we would love escape from. You see, if there's spots in your life right now where you feel stuck, maybe, maybe God's going to quickly alleviate those circumstances. But maybe you're a bit like the people in Jeremiah 29. And maybe it's time to plant a garden. Maybe it's time to seek the welfare of your neighbor. Maybe it's time to trust that God knows the plans that God has for you. And you can trust the slow invasion of the Holy Spirit that is teaching you and transforming you to be more committed To God by bringing your identity all together slowly, where it's taken away from the things and the people that you currently are identified by, and instead allowing the whole of who you are to be identified by Christ. And then out of that, you minister and love the relationships around you. This week, I want to urge you in your circumstances to join the Holy Spirit in the work that God's doing within you? Yeah. Ask God, what is it that you're doing? And can I join you? Where is it that you want to free me? Where is it that you want to grow me? Where is it that you want to teach me commitment? Who am I? As we, we saying, we are who he says we are. But what does it look like to live more into that? I believe it'll be this slow invasion of the Holy Spirit in our lives where we're transformed, where we'll know God in a depth that we can only now begin to dream of. In a few minutes, we're going to have small groups available for you all to go into these breakouts. Before that, we're going to receive communion. But even before that, I just want to pray over us, and I want to invite you to pray with me, okay? Holy Spirit, we we want to trust you. There are parts of our lives that we do. There are parts of our lives that we don't. There are parts of us that feel like they're in exile. There's parts of us that feel like they're partially recognized, partially known, that they're caricatured, even within ourselves. God, would you deeply know us? Would you continue to turn us into a community that deeply knows each other, makes room for one another, has compassion for ourselves and for all those around us? And as we wait till we know what you have for us as a church, would you... You help us to patiently plant some gardens and build our houses and seek the welfare of this city we love. Thanks, in your name, amen.